Welcome to Valley 101. Spooky edition! I'm your host, Kayla White. And I'm head of audio, Katie O'Connell. And this week we're looking at the most haunted places in Phoenix. You'll hear about places where children still roam. (laughs) A graveyard. And my personal favorite, theater ghosts. And if you don't believe in ghosts, that is not the point. So join us now, because we're headed into haunted territory. (laughs) We had one heck of a guide through Haunted Phoenix. I am Debbie Branning. I am an author and paranormal investigator. Well, I worked for the MVD, the Motor Vehicle Department, for about 25 years. And there were a group of us at the office that was really interested in the paranormal. So we started going down to Douglas, Arizona, to the Gadsden Hotel on, you know, a kind of a bi-monthly basis. And pretty soon there was a whole crew in our office that was interested. And that's how the MVD Ghost Chasers came about. It was kind of just an office paranormal team. But what started as just an office thing became very, very real. Debbie has been director of the MVD Ghost Chasers paranormal team since 1994. And it was one of the first paranormal hunting teams in the Valley. She's written multiple books about haunted places in Arizona. Debbie said she's not a medium. She doesn't have a special talent that alerts her to the presence of spirits. I do smell things and hear things, and occasionally I see things. But most of all, you know, it's just that feeling you get when you enter a room and you know something's different. Debbie said there are two kinds of energies. There's good energy. You know, it's never, never been terribly scary for us. We've always encountered spirits with a good nature. They've always been kind. And bad energy. Although Debbie said she hasn't really encountered much or any of that. There's been a few times where you're startled for a moment, but to me, I've always looked at it as kind of like skydiving. It's just that adventure. And um, most of the time when you're on a paranormal investigation, it's like going on a boring fishing trip. You are sitting there all night waiting for something to happen or, you know, waiting to catch a fish. Nothing happens at all. And other nights, it's like a sound there, footsteps there, you know, uh, chilling feeling or someone has seen a shadow someplace. You never know. You never know because you can't predict what the spirits want to do. So what are the places where you're most likely to get that sinking feeling in your stomach or shiver down your spine? I tagged along on a ghost tour with Debbie and local historian Marshall Shore, who you heard from in Maritza's episode on the trunk murderess Winnie Ruth Judd. All right, everyone. I want to welcome you aboard our Haunted Phoenix tour. The San Carlos Hotel is probably Phoenix's most well-known haunted place. It's in all the books, all the TV shows. It opened in 1928, and at the time, the hotel was rare for Phoenix in that it was a high-rise, and it had air conditioning, and elevators. 
Hotel San Carlos attracted many celebrities, including Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe. This story happened just weeks after the hotel opened. Main story is Leon Jansen, who was came here because she had tuberculosis and she had been also had a, they say, an acquaintance with a bellboy at another hotel. And while she was staying here, she found out she was not going to ever find a cure. She was upset about that, upset about the, uh, the gentleman friend not, you know, returning her affections. So she climbed to the roof of the San Carlos was shortly after it opened up and dived to her death right on the corner of Mon uh, Monroe and Central Avenue. I found an article in the Arizona Republic published on May 8, 1928, titled, quote, Woman Takes Own Life by Seven-Story Leap from Hotel San Carlos. It said Leone was about 25 years old and was from California. She jumped off the roof of the building shortly before 3 a.m. Quote, a guest of the hotel, rooming on a top floor, told of hearing a scream as Miss Jensen's body hurtled through the air. So they say her spirit still lingers in the hotel and they see her wandering the halls, smell her perfumes. And she's not the only one here. And then the ghosts of the children, of course, because that was the site of Phoenix's first school. So they do hear children running in hallways when there's no children even checked into the building. <laughs> then we pulled up to the Orpheum Theater, which is easy to spot with its brightly lit red marquee on the corner of 2nd Avenue and Adams Street. So, I mean, the Orpheum dates back to a point where we would have had many grand theaters here in Phoenix. Sadly, this is the only one left. I mean, we had the Fox, the Strand, a whole host of other kind of grand theaters. And this one, we almost lost as well. But the city of Phoenix did decide that it was worth saving and preserving. So it is now a theater where they often do a lot of a variety of things. In fact, I see you can come see here and see SpongeBob the Musical. Whoa, doesn't that sound like a hoot of a time? The Orpheum Theater is one of the most elegant and classic buildings in downtown Phoenix. It was built in 1929 and is the city's only remaining theater built before World War II. Its architecture is Spanish colonial revival, which means it's covered in intricate murals and moldings. I love its red velvet seats. Theater ghosts, you know, they like to perform. You know, in their past lives, you know, and they were great performers, so they keep coming back for that, you know, that curtain call. I uh, know there is a ghost they call either Maggie or Maddie, depending on the, you know, who it is, and she sits at the back of the theater. She's all decked out in like a big Hello Dolly hat, nice clothing. Uh, one of the members of my paranormal team was there for a performance and was going back during the intermission, saw this woman standing back there. We do a lot of reenactments down the cemetery. She was wondering where she got that costume, where she got that hat. And as she approached the woman to ask her, she just vanished before her eyes. They don't know who she is, but they see her quite often in the theater. She probably was a an avid theater 
you know, um, goer, so she's still coming to the shows. Since the Orpheum is the most easily accessible of all of these spots, I asked Debbie what someone can do if they want to meet this ghost. Go to a performance. Go to a performance, go a little early, so you have time to kind of walk around in the corridors and, um, you know, just say, you know, I'm here, I'm admiring the theater. If there's anybody here that has a message for me, you know, you know, let me know. Or can you tell me a special place I should sit? Just talk to them like you're visiting somebody at the theater. And um, when they have their, they do do tours there a few times, usually during the holiday. Go on the tours, because they'll take you behind the scenes, behind, behind the stage, and areas you don't get to go to when you're going there for performance. Um, find a seat, study the stage, turn around and see if that lady with the hat sitting in the back, and have your camera ready. Next up was the First Baptist Church. It's at 3rd Avenue and Monroe Street, around the corner from the popular concert venue, the Van Buren. It was built in 1929 and was known for its Italian Gothic architecture and bell tower. But in 1984, a fire decimated the building. But the reason why we're here is actually the rectory right next door, where the priest would have lived. But there was a artist who took resident in the old pastor's residential area and he had big plans for it he was gonna uh, do his studio work there it was he wanted to open it up for um, others for displays and while he was in there looking through the cubby holes of things in his area where he was working he was up on a ladder poking around looked down and apparently he saw a little girl with curls, he says it reminded him of Shirley Temple standing there in a nice little dress, patent leather shoes. She looked up at him, he looked down at her, and then she suddenly vanished. He doesn't know who that was either, whether it was a little girl who belonged to the church at one time, maybe her funeral was held there. And at one time, there was a mortuary right next door. Her spirit could have wandered over there to the church to see what was going on that particular day. After the fire, some people wanted the building demolished, but Terry Goddard, who was Phoenix mayor at the time, saved it and has spent decades trying to bring it new life. He was recently part of a team that renovated the building, ensuring that our little Shirley Temple has a home to haunt for decades to come. The last place we stopped was at the Pioneer and Military Memorial Park at 15th Avenue and Jefferson Street. Now this cemetery is really the reason why I started doing this tour because it's right in the middle of downtown, so close to the Capitol, and so many folks don't know it's here. It's a group of cemeteries that were built around 1884. Debbie volunteers at this park. Marshall said the most famous person buried here is Jacob Waltz, also known as the Lost Dutchman. Waltz was a prospector and farmer who was rumored to have a bunch of gold stashed in a mine in the Superstition Mountains. People still go searching for the gold, but have never found it. Or, I guess I should say, have never admitted to finding it. The cemetery, although, you know, cemeteries get the stigma of being spooky haunted places. It's a very peaceful cemetery, and even though the fact that it's buried over an old Hohokam village and over an old Hohokam cemetery. 
And so you've got a kind of a double whammy there. But um, they're just happy where they're taking care of the cemetery. So there's no spirits in the cemetery. They always go, is that cemetery downtown by the state capitol haunted? And I'll say, you know, in a nice way, in a nice way. They're happy we're taking care of it. Not every presence is a bad thing. Debbie said that she's felt energies in old mansions around town, like the Rawson House in Heritage Square or the Shackleford House. It's all happy energies that have remained behind in the homes because these were like the mansions of the day. You know, the beautiful homes and the people cherished their memories there. And I think they come back because they're happy the buildings are still existing and there are people using them you know, to this day and sharing the memories. I asked Debbie why Arizona specifically would tend to have such happy ghosts. They lived in adobes in the beginning of Phoenix's history. They lived in little wooden shacks. So, you know, when, they, when the wives started finally coming out from the east, they wanted things to look a little bit more Victorian and nice like they had it. So they insisted, you know, that their husbands build them the, a nice home with, of brick or stone or bring in the fine woods from some of the other areas. So they were proud. They were very proud of their new life. They were very proud of their new home. Their children, you know, were the same way. They were happy to be in their new location. And so they, you know, they see a lot of the children's energy in these buildings still to this day. I know they hear kids running up and down stairs, they'll hear giggling. So they were happy here in their new environment. I also asked Debbie if she's ever heard of demons or bad energies in Metro Phoenix. Not in Metro Phoenix. I think for the majority, it's been pretty, pretty calm, you know, in the, in the hauntings here. Um, I have never seen or heard anything bad downtown. Luckily. <laughs> and if you're not satisfied with that, Debbie says there are places across Arizona with a higher spook factor. In Arizona, um, some of the mining towns can get a little rough because that's how they lived and died. And it's, again, it's just mostly you might get, you know, shoved a little bit or you'll hear, you know, some profanity when you're, you know, doing your recordings. Um, But generally, you know, they're not out there to harm you. They're, you They're out there to, you know, maybe tease you a little bit or, you know, if there's children ghosts, they like to poke you or hide things from you. So you might put your equipment down and turn around and go, well, I know I had my bag over here. How did it end up over here? You know, so they do prank. They're more like prankster ghosts in, in Arizona. listeners that's it for today although maybe you'll have some lingering or haunting thoughts about this episode share it with us on twitter at valley 101 pod and if you want more images or behind the scenes tales from what we learned on our haunted tour you can subscribe to our newsletter 
Visit valley101newsletter.azcentral.com to sign up and get our free email every week delivered to your inbox. I'm Katie O'Connell signing off for today. And I'm Kayla White. Thank you again for listening to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. See you next week.